The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hello everyone, and thank you once again for listening to the saga of World War II, a Cassus Belly project. As a compliment to my interview with David Milne, senior designer at Relic Entertainment, for the recent release of Company of Heroes 3, and as a companion piece to the game's associated briefing room, I've prepared a biography of perhaps the most famous Australian soldier of all time, Lieutenant Tom Diver Derrick, VC. I don't think I'm too off the mark in describing him as the Australian Audie Murphy, a ranker who performed so many feats of daring do that he earned himself a commission, his nation's highest award, and became a celebrity in the process. Unfortunately, unlike Murphy, who survived the war, Derek would not get to enjoy his status after hostilities had ceased. Diver Derek was an Australian soldier who fought in several campaigns of the Second World War, including the North Africa campaign, which is featured in the game, where he was present for the battles of Tobruk and El Alamein, discussed back in episode 14, if I'm not mistaken. Following the North African campaign, he returned to Australia, received his commission, and went back on campaign in the South Pacific, participating in the New Guinea campaign, where he earned his Victoria Cross. Later, he participated in the battle for Borneo, where he was killed by fire from a Japanese machine gun. Diver Derrick was born Thomas Curry Derrick on March 20, 1914, in Medindi, South Australia, a suburb of Adelaide, to David and Ada Derrick. His parents were poor, but he did not want for the necessities, and grew into a strong, athletic child. Like any good Australian youth, he had taken up boxing, cricket, and Aussie rules football by his teens and earned his nickname Diver for his frequent dips in the Port River. Unfortunately, due to the Depression, he had to leave school early to begin working odd jobs and help his family make ends meet. He wound up taking a job at a bakery while fixing bicycles and selling newspapers on the side. As the Depression worsened, Diver lost his job at the bakery and so decided in 1931 to hit the road with some friends and search for work via bicycle which is kind of the most Depression-era thing I've ever heard of. They traveled 140 miles east to the town of Barrie, where they ended up camping on the shores of the Murray River. While living what I can only assume was their best hobo life, the Royal Adelaide Show came to Barrie. Tom, being the rough-and-tumble sort of guy to box and travel cross-country via bicycle, decided to enter into a boxing match against the former Australian lightweight champion. The contest was to stay upright for three rounds against the champion. After getting knocked down in the first round, he managed to hold his ground for the next two and win the contest, at the expense of some minor physical injuries. After a little over a year in Barrie, he managed to find regular work picking fruit and met his future wife, Violet Beryl Leslie. He stayed in Barrie until the outbreak of the war. After the European War broke out in 1939, Australia eyed the war nervously. The government in Canberra placed a litany of limits on service and created competing services, an overseas service meaning in Europe and North Africa, and a home defense force, sometimes called a militia, that would be used to defend against Japan. The fall of France in 1940 shocked Australia and the world, and forced not only the Australian, but all of the British Empire to rapidly reevaluate their commitment to defeating the Axis powers. It was in the aftermath of June 1940 that Tom Derrick, along with thousands of other young and sometimes not so young, Australian men volunteered for service. 48,000 of them volunteered in June 1940 alone, essentially making up all of the army shortfalls in one month. 
Derek enlisted as a private in the 2nd Australian Imperial Force, or simply the AIF, the body organized to serve as Australia's overseas army in Europe, North Africa, and the Pacific. The AIF consisted of five divisions, four infantry, and one armored. After completing his initial training in Woodside, South Australia, Derek found himself in the 2nd of the 48th Battalion in the 9th Division. He was a bit of a troublemaker and was disciplined for absence without leave as well as for fighting, but on November 17, 1940, he, along with the rest of the battalion, was aboard ship and bound for North Africa. After an uneventful passage through the Indian Ocean and Suez Canal, they arrived in Palestine, where they began training in desert warfare and engaging in sport. Derek, the avid athlete since his youth, was one of the prime promoters and participants in the events, keeping both a record book and winning many of the cross-country races they put on. They would not wait long, however, to enter into actual combat. In March, they departed Palestine and traveled west through Alexandria to Libya and thence along the coast to Gazala. After reaching the town, they began digging in and prepared its defense, but shortly thereafter they withdrew to Tobruk, arriving on April 9, 1941. There, Derek encountered the enemy, Erwin Rommel's Africa Corps, for the first time. Unfortunately for Derek and the rest of his battalion, the Allied position in Tobruk became cut off from the ground lines of communication, and the town was laid siege by the German and Italian armies. The Australians would hold out in Tobruk for a grueling eight months, having to rely on resupply by sea. During the siege, Derek would receive his first promotion. He frequently participated in patrols beyond the defensive lines, and distinguished himself during one of the Axis assaults on the town on April 30th. That night, the German-Italian force launched a significant offensive against Tobruk in which they took significant ground. The following morning, the 2nd of the 48th counterattacked to regain the lost positions. What ensued was a brutal firefight in which the battalion was forced to withdraw, which Derek referred to as a Bobby Dazlava firefight. Despite the failure of the counterattack, Derek was recognized for his bravery and promoted to corporal. As a corporal, he had achieved the first non-commissioned officer rank and led a squad of soldiers. He would continue to distinguish himself for the duration of the siege, at one point identifying a German, impersonating a British officer, leading to the spy being captured. In September, he was made platoon sergeant, the senior NCO in the platoon, despite only being a corporal. Their ordeal would come to an end in October, when the battalion was withdrawn on the 22nd via ship. They debarked in Tel Aviv, where they were given a whopping three days leave after just spending seven straight months under siege. They would enjoy a relatively easy spell for the remainder of 1941 and the first half of 1942 as they rested, trained, and resupplied in Syria. As the 2nd of the 48th lived the easy life of garrison duty, Rommel was busy preparing another jab at Alexandria. In June, his unit was reassigned to Egypt, where it was to participate in the First Battle of El Alamein. On July 10th, he took part in a major assault on German positions at Tel El Aysa. The leading elements of his platoon withstood withering German fire and assaulted multiple German machine gun positions, resulting in the capture of over 100 enemy. After seizing the German positions, the platoon dug in to withstand the coming German counterattack. When it finally came, their positions were overrun by tanks. Rather than retreat, they held their ground waiting for the follow-on infantry force. When it came, the Australians emerged and attacked the infantry and tanks from behind. Derek managed to destroy two tanks himself. For his outstanding performance during the engagement, he was awarded the Distinguished Conduct Medal, the second highest medal for Commonwealth forces after the Victoria Cross. On July 28th, he was promoted to full sergeant, the rank commensurate with his position as platoon sergeant. Derek was also present for the Second Battle of El Alamein. During that battle, he engaged in what can only be described as daring exploits of military bravery. 
On October 23rd, while assaulting German positions, he leapt on top of a gun carrier armed with a Thompson and cleared out three German machine gun nests nearly single-handedly. After silencing the guns, he ordered the driver to reverse up to each one to personally make sure each one was clear of living enemy. He then brought his platoon forward to the occupied positions. At the end of October, after well over a year on campaign in North Africa, the whole of the 9th Division had suffered serious casualties among officers and men. Thus, Derek was named acting company commander when there weren't enough officers to go around. In January 1943, the 9th Division was reassigned from the North African Theater and sailed back to Australia. They arrived in Melbourne in February and were granted leave while the unit was brought back up to full strength before being sent to follow-on training. He took this time to see his wife in Adelaide, while the battalion was detached from the division headquarters and sent to Queensland to prepare for combat in the South Pacific. They practiced jungle warfare in the Atherton Tablelands at the base of the Cape York Peninsula. While there, they also practiced amphibious landings near Cairns. The humid, tropical conditions must have aggregated old injuries to his right eye, however, as Derek was hospitalized for part of July and most of August. Following his recovery, he was returned to the 2nd of the 48th and embarked for operations in New Guinea. With the battalion plussed up, he was again acting in a position commensurate with his rank, serving as a platoon sergeant. Derek and the 2nd of the 48th would participate in Douglas MacArthur's attack on Ley. He and his unit landed at Red Beach, 19 miles east of Ley, and fought their way westward toward the town. The fighting was actually scant, however, as the Japanese spent most of the battle withdrawing before action could be joined. The one real engagement he participated in was the capture of Malong Airfield on September 4th. Following the capture of Ley, the Allied force would turn its attention toward the capture of Finchhaven, 60 miles east on the Huon Peninsula. It was during the battle for Finchhaven that he would earn his Victoria Cross, the highest award available to Commonwealth troops. As the Allied force maneuvered against the Japanese forces defending Finchhaven, they encountered stiff resistance. By October 2nd, the division had secured a foothold on the town, where the troops were fixed. They needed to find a way to relieve the pressure. The 26th Brigade, of which Derek was a member, was sent forward to reinforce the position, then in November, ordered to attack a ridgeline running east-west north of Finchhofen, known as the Saddleberg. The battle, which began on November 17th, would end up being a slog up steep slopes and through dense vegetation. The Australians tried to use armor and artillery as much as possible, but the restricted terrain often meant that infantry had to advance unsupported. In the initial assault, the 2nd of the 48th Battalion advanced in columns in an attempt to infiltrate Japanese lines and bypass their strong points rather than conduct a frontal assault against prepared positions. They advanced in company columns led by infantry and followed by tanks and engineers to clear out any particularly tough positions. Due to the roar of the preparatory bombardment, the Japanese had not heard the rumbling of the Matilda tanks that the Australians brought to bear, and thus were startled out of their forward positions. This effect would not last long. After discovering the presence of tanks, the Japanese defenders quickly adopted anti-tank tactics to remove the armor threat. The advance slowed as the Japanese would damage advancing tanks after the infantry had passed and then rush out with their infantry to finish the vehicle off. At the start of the battle, Derek was acting Company Sergeant Major, the equivalent of an American First Sergeant, for Company B, 2nd of the 48th Battalion. But after all the lieutenants had been killed, he was once again made an acting platoon leader. It was while leading 11th Platoon on November 24th that the infamous events surrounding the award of his Victoria Cross occurred. That morning, B Company was ordered to take a flanking position on a ridgeline with no good approaches. The only way to reach the crest line was to advance beneath a sheer cliff face through rolling slopes covered in nothing but highly flammable kunai grass. The company spent the entire day making painstaking progress up the hill, but oppressive Japanese machine gun fire and grenade attacks repulsed them several times. By dusk, 
they had only managed to take it part way up the hill to their objective. After a full day of hard fighting, with little to show for it, the company commander decided to retire for the evening and ordered his platoons to withdraw. Derek was having none of it. When word reached him that the CO wanted him to fall back, he replied, Bugger the CO. Just give me 20 more minutes and we'll have this place. Tell him I'm pinned down and can't get out. With that, he resumed his advance forward and aggressively assaulted 10 Japanese positions. Supported by Bren machine gun fire, Derek attacked the defenders with grenades, clearing out the first position single-handedly. Himself now pinned down by machine gun fire, he ordered one of his sections to flank the Japanese to the right. Supported by enfilading fire, he was able to resume his advance, this time up the cliff face behind the enemy machine gun pits. While holding onto a rock wall with one hand, he lobbed grenades down on the Japanese with the other. True to his word, 20 minutes later, he had personally cleared out seven machine gun pits with grenades and small arms fire, and was at the top of the ridge. With only three enemy positions remaining, Derek went back to pick up his platoon and finish the assault. He personally led the attacks on the remaining positions, conducting at least four separate close quarters grenade attacks to finish the job. Derek and his platoon did not withdraw as their commander had ordered, and instead seized the Japanese positions on the ridgeline and held them for the remainder of the night. At the behest of the 2nd 48th Battalion Commander, at 10 o'clock in the morning of November 25th, 1943, the Australian flag was raised over the Saddleberg by Tom Derrick himself. The final assault on the Saddleberg Ridge became known as Derrick's Show within the division, where he was already something of a local celebrity, but his actions that day would propel him to national war hero status. For his actions that day, he was nominated for the Victoria Cross, and on March 23, 1944, the London Gazette published his citation. It read, the King has been graciously pleased to approve the award of the Victoria Cross to Sergeant Thomas Curry, DCM, Australian Military Forces, for most conspicuous courage, outstanding leadership, and devotion to duty during the final assault on Saddleburg in November 1943. On 24th November 1943, a company of Australian Infantry Battalion was ordered to outflank a strong enemy position sighted on a precipitous cliff face and then to attack a feature 150 yards from the township of Saddleburg. Sergeant Derrick was in command of his platoon of the company. Due to the nature of the country, the only possible approach to the town lay through an open kunai patch situated directly beneath the top of the cliffs. Over a period of two hours, many attempts were made by our troops to clamber up the slopes to their objective, but on each occasion, the enemy prevented success with intense machine gun fire and grenades. Shortly before last light, it appeared that it would be impossible to reach the objective or even to hold the ground already occupied and the company was ordered to retire. On receipt of this order, Sergeant Derrick, displaying dogged tenacity, requested one last attempt to reach the objective. His request was granted. Moving ahead of his forward section, he personally destroyed, with grenades, an enemy post which had been holding up his section. He then ordered his second section around on the right flank. This section came under heavy fire from light machine guns and grenades from six enemy posts. Without regard for personal safety, he clambered forward well ahead of the leading men of the section and hurled grenade after grenade, so completely demoralizing the enemy that they fled, leaving weapons and grenades. By this action alone, the company was able to gain its first foothold on the precipitous ground. Not content with the work already done, he returned to the first section, and together with the third section of his platoon, advanced to deal with three remaining posts in the area. On four separate occasions, he dashed forward and threw grenades at a range of six to eight yards, until these positions were finally silenced. In all, Sergeant Derrick had reduced ten enemy posts. From the vital ground he had captured, the remainder of the battalion moved on to capture Saddleburg the following morning. Undoubtedly, Sergeant Derrick's fine leadership and refusal to admit defeat in the face of a seemingly impossible situation resulted in the capture of the Saddleburg. 
His outstanding gallantry, thoroughness, and devotion to duty were an inspiration not only to his platoon and company, but to the whole battalion. Following the battle for Finchhofen, Derek spent his fourth Christmas in a row overseas. In February 1944, the unit would leave New Guinea and return to Australia via Brisbane. Taking leave after arriving, he returned home to Adelaide to visit Beryl one more time. Unfortunately, in April, he became ill with malaria and was hospitalized. Thereafter, he returned to the battalion garrison before entering into officer training in August. Completing the officer program in November, he was commissioned as second lieutenant and, despite Army policy, returned to the 2nd 48th as a platoon commander. There, he would rejoin the battalion for more training in the Tablelands and come to befriend Reg Saunders, the first Aboriginal to receive an officer's commission in the Australian Army. On May 1, 1945, Derek returned to combat for the first time in over a year, participating in the landing at Terracon in Borneo. For several weeks, the 2nd of the 48th Battalion fought through tenacious and determined Japanese defenses. On May 22nd, Derek's platoon participated in a company assault on a Japanese hill codenamed Frida. For two days, already the battalion had attempted to seize the hill, but the defenders proved adamant about holding their positions. On the 21st, the battalion commander determined that a smaller, more agile force might better be able to utilize the restrictive terrain. Derek's company was chosen to conduct the assault. The next morning, they launched their attack and managed to claw the Japanese fighting positions away from them. By even fall, they controlled Freda Hill and dug in to hold out for the night. That night, at about 3.30 a.m., the rat-a-tat-tat of machine gun fire burst through the Australian lines. After the initial burst, Derek raised his torso out of his fighting position to check on his men, when the crack of machine gun bullets filled the air again. When echoes of the gunfire had faded, Derek lay bleeding profusely from five bullet wounds, tracing a diagonal line from his left hip to his right shoulder. He didn't die immediately. He carried on issuing orders, and when the sun rose, discovered to his horror that a Japanese pillbox directly overlooked the position he had spent the entire night in. Unable to help, he was evacuated to the brigade hospital. While on the operating table, the surgeon discovered just how damaging the bullet wounds were. His liver had been torn to shreds, and he had sustained serious internal injuries. He died during an operation to repair his wounds, and was buried that afternoon at the Terracon Cemetery. He was later disinterred and reburied at the Labuan War Cemetery in Labuan, Malaysia. Derek's legacy survives to this day, and he's often touted as the greatest Australian soldier to have ever served. He was not only a tactical genius, able to quickly determine the best means of assaulting a position, but also a natural leader, and apparently very personable. He kept a diary throughout the war and continually wrote letters back to Beryl, revealing a reflective and intelligent man. After his performance in North Africa, he could well have found a way to sit out the rest of the war, but he not only returned to combat, but went back to the exact same unit where he had been an enlisted man. In the end, it cost him his life in the very last days of the war, but his honor, bravery, and selfless service live on today.